I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation. When I was 28, uh, I got my first and only tattoo. Uh, we were in Florida and I saw something that I liked, so I decided to get it. And uh, the next morning I got up and I saw it. It was right here and it scared me uh, just for a second. Uh, I have never woke up and thought, man, I wish I didn't get that. I like it. It's a cross right here. And I just, I like my tattoo. Now, there are people that get tattoos and they are not so great. Uh, there's some pictures that we'll show you on the screen. Uh, like you can see this first one and it says, it's get better. So he got that tattoo. I'm sure that's not what he meant it to say. So that would be a bad tattoo. The other one is a band. So this is a Backstreet Boys tattoo. So that might've been cool back in the day, but that kind of goes away. And now you have this Backstreet Boys tattoo on you and probably want to get that removed. The next one is one that is misspelled. You can look at that and see that that's a tattoo definitely uh, that this guy does not want. And sometimes when people get tattoos and they decide they don't want them, they go through a painful process to have them removed. Uh, and we all have things like that, don't we, that kind of stick to us. Once they get those tattoos, they're kind of there. They're hard to get rid of, and it's very painful to get rid of them. And we all have words that have stuck on us. Uh, maybe a coach has said that you'll never be any good or a parent that puts you down. Uh, maybe you were made fun of at school or maybe you had a grandpa or grandma that said something good and encouraging to you and that has stuck with you. But once we say things and once we treat people a certain way, they stick with those people or they stick with us. If someone came in here and uh, to this church and they went to sit down and they heard you say, hey, don't sit there. This is my seat. They would remember that action. As Christians, we want to be able to share truth with people we are close to, but we don't want to leave scars in the process. We don't want to leave words like those tattoos on them. Uh, so we have to give grace. And there's this balance between truth and grace. Everybody goes a little bit. You might go more towards truth or more towards grace. If you ask yourself, like, if you have kids, when your kids, is, when they're punished, do they want to go to you or do they want to go to your spouse? If they want to go to you when they're punished, probably you give more grace. When one of their siblings get in trouble, who do they take them to? They take them to you, then probably you deal out more truth. So this is in John 1:17. It says, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So Jesus was a master of giving truth and grace, which is, is very hard to do. Matthew 9, 10, and 17 says this. It says, While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. We'll go back into that verse. So the first thing we need to do is speak truth. And let's talk about who we're speaking truth to. We believe as Christians that, that truth comes from God and truth comes from the Bible. So everything that we do, we want to strain through that Bible 
and strained through the Word of God. Now, uh, there are people that don't believe that. There are people that don't believe in the Bible, so they are not going to strain things uh, through the Word of God because guess what? They're not Christians, so they're not going to see the world like we see the world. And those are the people that we're talking to. So how do you speak truth to people like that? There's a thing called relativism, which means that everyone has their own truth. Like, there is no solid truth. So someone else's truth could be different than mine. Now, we learned when we were little about fact and fiction. Some things are facts, some things are true, and some things are not. But there are people that believe that their truth is theirs, and it can even be different than yours. Now, the problem with that, like, if you think I'm Amish, well, you know, you might think that, and you might tell people that, but, you know, I'm not. So that can't be true. So there is solid truth, and there is non-truths. But how do we talk to people like this? How do we share truth with them? I had a, a student named Brandon uh, when I was at Paoli, and Brandon was a good kid. I loved him. Uh, he wanted to be a youth pastor, and one day he went to the doctor and found out that he had leukemia. So it was a long battle for him, and I remember it looked like he was going to get through it. And one day he goes to the hospital and his parents say that something's wrong, that he doesn't feel quite right, and then they, they send him home. And they say, well, you know, we'll see how it goes. You just come back in the morning if you're not feeling right. Well, that night, his kidney shut down, and he passed away. So they take their kid to the doctor, and they tell him something's wrong. The doctor says, hey, you know what, we're just going gonna to send you home, and then you come back. So imagine that. Imagine you take your kid to the, a doctor, okay? Your kid is sick. You want to take them uh, so they can get better, and you take them in the emergency room, they tell you, hey, you know what, like, we're not going to accept you, we are going to turn you away. Now, that would be devastating. I would hate that, and you would hate that. Now, I don't know how often that happens, but uh, I wonder how God feels sometimes when his children come into this place, and we want to screen people before they can meet God. See, he is the great physician. He is a doctor, and we'll read that here in a second. But a lot of times when people come into church, like we want to speak truth to them in a way that might run them off, or we want them to be like us even when they, they don't know God, and they're coming here just to, to see what it's like. I wonder how God feels when that happens. We have a certain way we want people to look and act before they come through those doors. We think that people come to church already saved and have their life together before they meet Jesus. But their heart has to change before anything else will. In 12, it says this, On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. So, he says, It is not the healthy that needs the doctor, but the sick. So how do we speak truth to sick people and not leave scars like a tattoo that has been removed? Well, we show grace. We get to know people. Matthew 9, 10 and 17, 10 through 17, it says, While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. So we stop there. Jesus is eating at a table with tax collectors and sinners. Like he is taking time to spend time with them. 
The fact that Jesus ate with sinners shows that he looked beyond culture to people's hearts, whereas the Pharisees disregarded people because of their past behavior. Jesus saw their spiritual need. Now put yourself in the sinner's shoes. The Pharisees would disregard people for their past behavior. How many of you would, are glad that you're not labeled by the mistakes that you have made? I'm glad that people don't judge me for what I did when I was a teenager or for when I was 20 or even in my 30s. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus looked at them as they were someone that God loves. I had a student that was in my youth group. His name, or actually I went to youth group with this uh, student. His name was Joe. We were in youth group together. And uh, Joe, I knew from school, Joe always ate by himself. So Joe was a very, uh, just a not very nice person. I mean, even talking to him, he was a little bit bitter. And uh, when I started going to youth group, like Joe was there. Now, I didn't really like to hang around Joe because he was just a mean person. But as I got to know Joe, I could take that a little bit more. Uh, I got to know him about his background. I would sit with him at school and I started to care about Joe and I started to care about what Joe was going through. Now, the same thing happens when we get to know people. You can look at somebody and you can judge them, but if you get to know them, you're going to start to care about them, and you're going to start to care about what they were going through. Jesus cared for people. In Matthew 9, 35 and 37, it says this, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without shepherds. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. And you see here, it says this, when he saw the crowds, that he had compassion on them. He cared about them. And we want to do the same. We want to see people as people, and we want to care about them. Jesus had tax collectors and sinners gathered around him. These are lost people who were not running from Jesus, rather they were running to him. They were not avoiding him, ignoring him, or even hostile towards him. They were gathered around to hear him. Why were sinners so willing and even eager to listen to Jesus? It certainly wasn't because his message was easy and it tickled their ears. It wasn't because Jesus compromised on sin and said that everything they were doing was acceptable. Why did the law seek out Jesus rather than run from him? And I believe the answer is compassion. Jesus had grace. Jesus cared for them. Jesus loved them and showed them love and compassion instead of a condemning attitude. The Bible says that Jesus welcomes sinners and eats with them. One of the definitions for, in the Greek word translated as welcomes is to receive as a friend. This was Jesus' attitude towards the lost. Jesus welcomed them. He was compassionate on them, accepted them, despite their sins and fault. He was a friend, and he wasn't a foe. Jesus had an attitude that lost people were attracted to. And the question is, do we? Can we speak truth into people, and can we have grace? And when we actually get to know people, and we see people as how God sees them, as a child of his and someone that he loves— then it's a little bit easier to accept some of the things they do. Now, I don't mean we compromise on sin, but we walk with them on that journey. For us individuals and as a church to reach people, we're going to have to show and have the same attitude as Jesus did. One where we love them and not a condemning attitude. When we can look at people as not issues, not as problems, not as a project, and we can see them how God sees them, then it's a little bit easier 
to give grace, but also speak truth into that person. And uh, this is something, you know, that I struggle with too. I definitely want to see people as people. When I'm driving and someone pulls out in front of me, it's hard for me to see them as somebody that God loves sometimes. But the truth is, it is. So now, no matter what our agenda is, no matter what our political views are, like God loves the people on this earth and we should do the same. As you walk down the street, as you see somebody at work, I want you to look at them and I want you to say, you know, that's somebody that God loves. And that's somebody that I need to care for too because God cares for them and has given his life for that person. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for everything that you do for us. Father, I thank you that, uh, that you do give us grace. And Father, I'm also thankful for the truth that your word holds. Father, that it helps us guide our lives. And Father, I pray that uh, that is hidden in our hearts, that we can go out and we can, we can want people to have that word in their hearts as well. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.